What is up, everybody? Welcome to Viseland. Mikey, what is going on? I am very impressed with the way that you just did that introduction, Jason Weisberg, because I have crazy anxiety. Very happy to have Viseland take uh, that off my mind for the next little while. Just, just, for the, just for the record, we are recording this episode. You know, if you're 10 years from now, you're looking at this November 3rd, 2020. Yes. There's kind of a lot going on in the backdrop. Yeah. Um, but the NBA draft is too, like, yes, two weeks away. If there's an NBA and any of this exists. But, um. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Let's break a few things down here, people. First off, you know what's always awesome is uh, how much everybody is like, oh, the founding fathers wanted it this way. The founding fathers wanted all this stuff. Is the thing I was thinking is like, what what if like doctors went by that logic? It's like, oh, the founding doctors said that we should use leeches, so fuck everybody else, and like this is what we should do from now on. Why are we making changes? What's with evolution? Like, why are we trying to evolve and get better? Why? I, it's just, it boggles my absolute mind. That well, this I, feel, I feel like we're, I feel like we're the only country that has this like kind of a stupid system where it's like, no, we're not. That's the thing. Oh, Jason, no. I, I disagree. I don't think we are the only country that has this stupid system because I think there are other countries that have like a similarly stupid system. Oh, but at the same no, time, no. this system is really stupid. And like, like, just, it's gotten to the point where it, it like, they they say it's half of the country and half of the country, and it's clearly not. Yeah. But, like, the greater good obviously doesn't want a lot of what is happening, and I just don't understand why that's a thing. Like, I, it just it boggles my mind. But, yeah, like, you know, it, again, it goes back to the Founding Fathers and the big thing with faith and all that stuff. Yeah, and they did a, they did a lot of that's other my, things. That's my rant. Um, well, my, my biggest, my biggest takeaway. No, we don't know who's going to win the presidency at this point, but yeah, it's, uh, it's just, it's very close. It's nine, it's nine Pacific time on November 3rd. So yeah, still, still a long ways away for that. My only thing is if we did have a popular vote, there would be like seven hours less of programming for like CNN, MSNBC, Fox. It was like all which these channels, which would be amazing. Let's give them less power and let's <laughs> have, have less like, of that. If we did the popular vote, it would just be like, oh, this person has more than the other. Cool. Versus like. Oh, let's wait for this stupid county you've never heard of. To... I'll be honest with you. I don't, like, everybody's like, oh, what's, you know, the mystery of that? I don't want mystery. Yeah, I don't care about don't... mystery. I'd, I'd like to know right away. Like, I, well, I, I, I think we all would like to know right away. And let's, you know, mystery is not a thing that I want with my politics. I, I, I'm good with not having it. No, I, I'd like to know immediately as well. I'll tell you a good story of when I used to work at American Idol. One of the things you knew on the elimination episodes is they do the lighting cues at the lighting board and they would have the person that gets eliminated would sing again. So you'd see that same person's name on the lighting cues twice. And I used to always go before the show and just look at the lighting board and be like, this person, cool. Yeah, I want to arrest everybody on American Idol ever. I'm just saying that. That's just that one out there. You know, uh, a long time ago in a red blazer. It was, it, was a, it was a different time. I want to arrest you for telling me that shit. <laughs> uh, it was an interesting life of things that I can regret as far as television shows I've previously worked on. But yes. as, as mentioned earlier, we're about two-ish weeks from the NBA draft, the, the, the thing that we've... Yeah. And, and I'm sort of know, I, I could go on rants about the NBA draft too. 
I'll, we'll go on some measurement rants at the end of this. Well, I, feel like, I, feel like the I do. Um, I have adds to, to 2020. A what? I feel like the 2020 NBA draft adds to 2020 because it's a pretty mediocre draft. It just keeps going on forever. But yeah, I, I get it. But um, yeah, it's just basically, yeah, there, there have been some combined measurements that I, I kind of came across and um Seems like uh, some of them are not very, I don't know, it's, it's hard to consider them like legit measurements. And uh, yeah, like uh, it seems like everybody's setting a record and all this stuff. But it seems like there's like a Pat Connaughton situation where somebody botched their standing reach. So they now are like the best leaper in history. Um, but yeah, we, uh, we'll get into that. We just wanted to do a... We, we've actually never done a first round mock draft where it was what we believe is going to happen. So that's what we're basing this on. We did a, a lottery mock of what we believed was going to happen. There, there'll be a, definitely a few changes in this one. Um, the, I think that the most important thing to come at with this is rather than like go crazy into team fit and like you know how this is going to happen is give like pretty much a range because i think there are going to be so many trades i'm not going to predict trades i i'll say like they could possibly trade this pick but i'm not going to be like golden state is trading with uh, atlanta and like you know all, all that stuff oh, yeah there's some like, um, candidates for trading but yeah there's nothing that we know that we can like base anything off of and say yeah exactly and and I'll, like i'll go over like the latest rumors and all that stuff but that, that thing that I want to address is that there are lots of draft rumors and there are lots of things that people are saying right now that, um, it, like, let's face the facts, they're probably not true. There are a lot of teams posturing. There are a lot of teams trying to garner um, some maybe extra things in a trade. I think Golden State has been absolutely ridiculous this draft with that whole thing. And I don't really believe anything that's coming out of there. <laughs> Um, but yeah, like, uh, it's just, it, it's, it's a lot the, yeah. And, and then, um, I, I think the current thing I'll say is that I, I, it seems like there are three guys who are kind of like hanging at the top of the draft. And that seems to, it may not be our tier, but it seems to be like, kind of like a tier. And, um, I, I think the top five is like, it, it seems to be it may not be completely set and the, the, there's still a possibility I, I could be wrong on this, but I, I think the top five is pretty set. It's just, it'll depend on the order, but yeah, let, let's just kick this off. Okay. And, um, I'll, I'll do something here that I hadn't really done when it comes to something that I believe is going to happen. I'm going to say that I like right now I'm leaning towards Minnesota possibly drafting LaMelo Ball. And I, I had been kind of thinking that they'll, uh, they would lean towards Anthony Edwards. Um, I heard recently, I just, somebody told me that Anthony Edwards was working out in a Minnesota shirt. It could still happen, but you know what? I think, I think LaMelo Balls is a, a definite possibility if they keep the pick. I think LaMelo Ball is a possibility if they trade the pick. I think that LaMelo Ball is just somebody who has, really rare basketball IQ and passing ability uh, is a great ball handler as well. So that, that was like something that he kind of had over Lonzo, who he obviously gets compared to, but yeah, I, I think just in terms of like basketball IQ and like things that you can't really teach along with the size, 
along with the ability to rebound and do some of the other things. And then he may not like, he obviously, he was a bad defender in Australia, but he has potential there and he has instincts on, on that side of the ball as well. And, you know, I think the obvious thing was that he was never really asked to play defense. Um, so th- this is a thing where I think it's a possibility that Minnesota takes Lamella ball number one. Um, yes, it's, I, I think if, Either way you go, if you take Anthony Edwards, if you take LaMelo Ball, it's going to be a tough fit next to D'Angelo Russell. But I I think that there's a possibility that LaMelo Ball and D'Angelo Russell, at least they'll score lots of buckets. (laughs) That's one thing. I mean, D'Lo played with with Lonzo too, though, didn't they? On the Lakers? No, they got traded for it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that that was the, the thing that, yeah. Yeah, you kind of had to move one, I guess. Yeah, like, I mean... I'm not trading for each other, but he, he they immediately traded him. Yeah, they had to make that move. But, yeah, no, I, th- I think, I mean, I think LaMelo with the first pick, super intriguing, and it's just... Yeah. We haven't seen him at the best levels of competition in, in quite some time, but big for position, you know, big guy, like, bigger point guard now, you know, can handle... Yeah, taller, like, taller, not, like, bigger buffer, but, like... Yeah, taller, taller point guard. I mean, it could be intriguing with D'Angelo Russell, like getting those two guys out, letting them kind of run. Yeah. And, and, and then, like, playing Bilo off more off the ball, having, like, two great pick-and-roll threats with a guy, like a pick-and-pop guy like Carl Anthony Towns. Um, they, they have other things to address. Uh, the Malik Beasley situation, obviously, is something that they need to figure out also if they're going to have him – Uh, being a large part of the team. But then then the other thing is they drafted Jarrett Culver and he did not have the best rookie season, but I think there's still a a good possibility that he, you know, plays into their future. And uh, certainly I I think a a large part of drafting Jarrett Culver was the work ethic and him being able to work on some of the things that he uh, kind of struggled with this past year. But um, yeah, like I I just think um, if you're drafting a talent and you just, you know, want somebody that you can put the ball in their hands, has this, like, great deal of potential due to his basketball skills. I, I see LaMelo Ball as a real possibility here. No, totally. And I don't think anyone's locked in this position. You know, it's not like like the NFL draft where they sign the guy before the draft. It's like, it could be him. It could be, you know, there's a couple other potential players that can you know, kind of creep into that number one spot, possibly, depending on what teams covet. Yeah. Um, no. And yeah, so we'll move on to uh, the second pick, and that's Golden State Warriors. Super, uh, super interesting, you know, like Golden State has one bad year, ends up in this great draft position. Yeah, <laughs> but it's a tough one, too. Like, yeah, you don't really, bad with everybody you kind of have no idea who you're going to pick, uh, how they fit with your team, all that stuff. Like, you know, you think uh, Anthony Edwards obviously has a great deal of upside and he, he's somebody that I could see Golden State taking as well. Um, the word was that Denny Abdia came in and had a tremendous workout with them and they were kind of blown away by him. I think that's a smokescreen. And if they were to take Denny, I'm guessing it would kind of be like a trade down, like that kind of thing. Uh, I just don't think that if you go by the tier system, of, you know, like drafting a guy over like a need or anything like that. Like, I just don't think Anthony Edwards and possibly even James Wiseman are on most teams, same tier as Denny Abdia. So Denny is like this possibly great complimentary player, but I, 
I just still think that Golden State, my, and just my guess right now, and, you know, kind of like reading the tea leaves and everything like that, if they keep the pick, and possibly even for a trade, I think James Wiseman might be the pick. And that's – so in this mock draft 2.0, wherever we call it, the Viseland new mock draft, I'm going to take James Wiseman second to the Golden State Warriors. And here's the reason why. I think that they have been talking more and more about just having, like, this center that can, you know, um, provide rim protection, be a rebounder, kind of be this guy that plays without the ball and, um, you know, more gets, like, garbage buckets, rim runs, provides that size that they really had been missing. And I, I, I think that they possibly see like an upside there with James Wiseman. I know that this may not be a popular pick among many people in the draft community. Um, and I, I still am skeptical about James Wiseman myself, but I think that um, the, it, the bottom line is he has tremendous physical talent. He is excellent in running the floor. Um, are his defensive instincts great? No. Uh, is he, does he struggle in the pick and roll? Is he going to have to play drop coverage? Is he a guy that can switch out? Doesn't look like it, <laughs> but I think he, uh, he can at least provide rim protection. He's going, I like, I have a feeling he's going to be like a really good rebounder at um, the next level. And I, I even think there's like shooting potential. Like I don't think his offensive ability is something to completely write off. Um, he, he'll be a lob threat. He's, like yeah, he's like going, seven, to, get, he's going seven, to get points near the basket. Seven, six, and, and you know. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Well, yeah. Like you look at the guy, and he's he looks like a basketball. And then he has, he has, he has something he has like tremendously physically impressive. It's just about like his basketball IQ and things along those lines. He's not a very good passer. He's kind of slow to react. He uh, a lot of the times instead of you know passing out or like, you know, noticing a mismatch will take a ridiculous fadeaway jump shot. That's something that you notice with him from very early on. But he, um, I, I think at the same time, like just has so much physical and athletic talent that you're willing to, to bet on him and j just bet. Like, I'm not sure James Wiseman lives up to a, like a top five status, which is what I still believe he like, like where I still believe he likely goes, but I would be very hard pressed in, in a draft where you have like this many like open variables. If he's not like a top 10 player in this draft, like it would be surprising to me. And he's like, he's like the, the highest rated like true center as well. Yeah. Yeah. I guess there, there's, there's definitely some uh, – we'll, we'll mention that when the next center comes along. But, yeah, there's some debate. I, and, I like, I, on my board, I personally have somebody ahead of James Wiseman as a true center. Um, I feel this person's a true center. Some people don't call him a true center, but I feel that he is. Um, but, yeah, I right now – and this could definitely change, but I'm going with James Wiseman to um, – I still think there's a really good chance Golden State trades this pick, and I'm not completely sure that the person trading up for this pick would want James Wiseman. But if Golden State keeps the pick, I think there's certainly a chance they take James Wiseman. Um, moving on to number three, the rumor is that Charlotte is very high on a on Yeka Okongwu, and center has been a spot where you know if people. Uh, 
like let's say you know Anthony Edwards goes one or Lamelo Ball goes one, Anthony Edwards goes two. Um, the 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 rumor had been that James Wiseman would go three to Charlotte. Charlotte is kind of looking for that big man that I've never really had. Um, oh, I guess since Al Jefferson when they weren't winning games, but yeah, um, yeah they. Uh, the rumor is that Onyeka Okongwu is somebody that they're very high on, and I personally think that Onyeka Okongwu has a chance to be a better long-term prospect than James Wiseman. Um, I think that, you know, I, it would have been really interesting if James Wiseman had played the whole year because he did look really good in those three games that he played, albeit still showing some of the things that made you kind of skeptical about his long-term. But, um, yeah, Onyeka Okongwu was – very good on both ends of the floor this year. Um, just a crazy quick leaper. Does have some possibility to guard the pick and roll and to switch. And, um, you know, really good rim protector. Great finisher around the hoop. Um, even like, you know, he's, it, the passing isn't something that you bank on. And that's why a lot of people think the Bam out of bio comparisons are pretty crazy because of Bam's ability um, to run the offense through him. But, um, yeah, like, he at least has some acumen there. Um, I, I wouldn't say, like, an amazing chance of being, like, this great shooter, but he, he shot well from the free throw line, certainly has a chance. I, I think, like, you know, there's some offensive upside, has great hands, too. Um, so, yeah, I, there certainly seems like if Charlotte is going by positional need that they might go with on Yeka. But I'm going to go with Anthony Edwards here for the Charlotte Hornets. I just think Anthony Edwards probably has the most like individual offensive upside in the draft. He looks athletic, like athletic potential, you know, like very, oh, yeah. well, obviously very athletic, very strong. Um, not like the greatest handler. His decision-making leaves a little to be desired. And he didn't go for, from three either. But again, you look at like, Someone who was at his workout for clutch sports, Dwayne Wade. I mean, Dwayne Wade was not a great th like three point shooter either, but I think athleticism first step. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I still think there's like as as much as people kind of compare the two because of the Tom Crean thing and similarities in body. I, I still think there are a lot of differences in terms of uh, being a player, but he does have a lot of really good off ball potential. Um, and yeah, like Charlotte needs somebody to kind of be that guy and you know to to be that offensive force and I, I think that Anthony Edwards certainly has a chance to do that and if he were available at three I think they would probably leap at it well he uh, was, for a while he was considered the number you know the number one with Lamello like a little, they still may be they still, they <laughs> like, could, yeah. still could be but you know like with Lamello number two so it's like good value as well for for Charlotte if you're if you're going there they're, they're probably another future lottery team again because again I think Anthony Edwards has tons of potential, but I think his two kind of negative well, all three point shooting, but also free throw shooting and turnovers were kind of like his problems. Yeah. And also I think like um, there was a lot of defensive passivity and, or like defensive, like just not really carrying on the defensive end. Um, a lot of times where like he would just kind of go on stretches of passivity on both ends of the floor. And you just kind of wonder um, how that process is really going to work out. Uh, but then, you know, he has like the moments against Michigan State and then some other moments where he like just goes on these offensive flurries and, you know, shows that ability to get over screens on defense and um, to make his 
I, like, I think, I, I, I know that there have never been, like, really official numbers with him, but I'm guessing his wingspan is in, like, the 6'11", 7-foot range at this point. Um, and, yeah, he's, he's long, he's strong, he's very athletic, um, certainly has, like, shooting potential. And uh, while, like, the percentages may not have been there, I, I think uh, they could be later on. The Donovan Mitchell comparisons are kind of where you – you maybe look at uh, Anthony Edwards and uh, say that that could be a possibility for him. Um, that's, that's, yeah, that's good. To get uh, a, that's what you're getting in the draft. Like that's that's great value for them. in this draft. It's absolutely great. that's that's super good value for the the franchise. But move, moving on, we got number four. We got Chicago Bulls coming in. Yeah, and I, the guy that I have going for the Bulls, and this would be. A possibility of, of a trade. I don't think the Bulls would want James Wiseman in this case, so I would probably have to make a different pick there. But um, I'm just going to go with the, the Bulls keeping the pick here and give a general range. Um, Denny Avdia. And I think that Denny is just kind of one of those guys. I, he is somebody that I think like draft Twitter in general and may, maybe even like some certain NBA teams in general have kind of lowered on a bit. Um, you just kind of wonder about the upside. Um, it doesn't seem like he's going to be like this kind of, you know, like secondary creator or anything like that, but he, he's, he's a great passer. The shooting is still kind of a concern. And, you know, he, when the, the PSL are there, what some of the mechanics are there for, for uh, his production hasn't been stuff to say that the mechanics are there um yeah there are certainly times where the mechanics are not there and like you know like the feet and everything are kind of a mess um he start when the bsl and uh basketball kind of started back up he went on like the streak of kind of like a nice shooting streak and then he kind of went back into you know the territory of missing tons of shots. He, he's never been a great free throw shooter. That's kind of a concern. Um, but yeah, really good passer, has good instincts on both ends. He, he's not incredibly athletic. Um, so that's well, kind I of- like, I think his like wingspan as well is like pretty- His yeah. wingspan is like, yeah, dead even. Yeah, impressive. And then also just adding adding that, that bulk and that weight to kind of like be in the NBA as well. I know that's something that people want to kind of like reshape his body a little bit to get stronger. Yeah, I, I think he's, he's strong, but yeah, certainly like, you know, it, it's going to be a thing of him having to get used to like NBA physicality, especially if he's playing the four, which I, it seems like uh, that may be a position he plays uh, quite a bit to best utilize him. Um, but yeah, I, I think that a lot of talent there, obviously playing, you know, big minutes for a EuroLeague team, now, his EuroLeague production is something that people kind of harp on as well. And, you know, it's not necessarily something out of this world. I think it's where the, like, Luka Doncic comparisons are, like, absolutely nuts because their production was really, like, not very close. <laughs> but, um, yeah, he, he played really well for Maccabi Tel Aviv at times. And um, certainly, like, I, I think, like, a low end for, for Denny, you're still getting a role player. It's just something you kind of wonder is that something you want at like a top, at this point, top five? Yeah. yeah exactly um and i i'd like i that's why i think like golden state taking him at two seems a little much to me um but yeah like it certainly seems like there i know the early rumors in the year were that cleveland was very interested 
Um, yeah, I, I have a feeling Denny's not going to fall very far, and I could see him going as high as number four to the Chicago Bulls. Um, and possibly, like, you know, if the Bulls and the Warriors kind of uh, make a deal there, then uh, I, could, I, could see, I could see like an Anthony Edwards for Denny of Dia thing going on. Um, so, yeah, and then we'll move on to number five. Um, and so I switched like the top three a little bit, but I, uh, I kept four and five the same. I have uh, Obi Toppin going to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Or, you know, um, NCAA player, player of the year. He is the NCAA player of the year. He also played at Dayton, which is in the state of Ohio, which, uh, by the way, Ohio, fuck you. Uh, but, um, yeah, it's just, God. Um, yeah, it's – he's somebody who I think is going to have to be really, really good on offense to merit – you know, being this high in the draft. I know he'll be like the odds on favorite for rookie of the year. He's obviously quite a bit older than yeah, anybody who's been drafted up to this point. Um, he was a redshirt sophomore, but he's pretty much the age of a senior. Not even pretty much, he's the age of a senior. Um, but he is a very talented vertical athlete. And there's a chance he could be special on offense. He's a great shooter. He's really, he was great finishing around the basket. Really good passer out of... Um, the uh, uh, off of the uh, short roll, and he uh, the the big thing with him is he's not incredibly long. He uh, defense defense is a big thing with Ob. Yeah, I'd say you know yeah, like it's foot quickness, defense, negative, yeah, lateral quickness, yeah. yeah, that kind of thing. And then, but you know, offensively, he's hopefully. Good. Yeah, he could be special. Like, he could be really, really good on offense. But yeah. Like, just oh, you're wondering if, you know, it, it may, like, his – I know some people see him as – since he's this great vertical athlete, like, they're like, oh, you know, he has this ability to possibly play center. But I, I think his lack of length may uh, prevent him from doing that. Not to mention that, like, upper body strength seems to be kind of an issue. He has these really high hips and kind of gets uh, pushed off at times. So yeah, like there there are some legitimate concerns about Obi Toppin. Um, I'm don't think that I would take him at five, and I, I kind of like like a guy like Onyeka Kongwu a little more. But I think there's a good chance that he goes at five, and I, I think people are, are just buying that high offensive upside. Like he's really, if you're talking about a known commodity as an offensive player at this point, like nobody was more efficient than him last year. And, yeah. and he also, you know, showed the shooting potential. Like, they, there's a lot to like there. No, and Cleveland's probably – Kevin Love's probably parting ways pretty soon, you know, like – Oh, yeah. You know, they, they need a primary offensive player for, for now. Yeah, and, well, I, I think it's also like, – I'm not sure about the primary offensive player, but I, I just think, you know, they need talent. And, um, yeah, they, it uh, – yeah, I, I just – I think that Obi could be, you know, that guy they see is – uh, given that immediate impact and yeah, maybe just being like the fill in for Kevin Love to an extent. You're correct there. Well, because they're going to have to get rid of him. You know, Tristan Thompson's not getting any younger. Is not that he's a star, but it's like coming to that front court, you know, play the four. I think that's going to be definitely like where Cleveland's going to have that need, especially because, yeah, I think Kevin Love and Cleveland, I think that relationship is pretty much very soon to be being over. Yeah. All right. Now, on to Atlanta, number six, 
I have them taking Killian Hayes. And I, this is another one where, like, I, I'm really not sure they keep the pick. I think there's a possible trade here with Atlanta. Like, since they have this – they have, obviously, Trey Young, and they have this stable of wing players, and you could see them taking another wing player. You think they – I know Clint, they just traded for Clint Capella, but Onyeka Okongwu would be a possibility here also. I'm thinking that Killian Hayes, they may just want like another guy who, you know, where you can play him on the ball. So having like, you know, him on the ball is Trey Young. Yeah. Young yeah. And having Trey like maybe play a little bit more off ball. Now, Killian Hayes is, I think, an absolute talent. To me, he's. He, He's like a, a possible top three pick. And I, I think people are kind of just sleeping on that. I think he has the ability to get his own shot. He's made tremendous strides this year on both ends of the floor. He's a really good passer. Yes, very left-hand dominant. But I, I just think there's some definite talent there. And then, like, with his, his ability to score is almost, like, it, similar in, in ways to, like, a guy where, like, Luka Doncic gets kind of, like, advantages and just – being able to use his body, use change of speed. And I, I just think that there's a, a chance that Killian may be like one of the better players in this draft. And I think that there's also a chance he goes much lower than he should. Um, but yeah, in, in this scenario, I'm thinking Atlanta, I, I know some people see like Tyrese Halliburton as like the linking piece, but I I, I think Atlanta, like there, there's a chance that they might be really interested in this uh and Trey Young and Killian Hayes playing together and having like these two guys that you can just count on to bring the ball up the floor and, and run the show. Um, now Killian has kind of struggled shooting it off of the catch. I, I think people are a little bit more confident in, in his ability as a pull-up shooter, as opposed to, um, you know, the catch and shoot. I think his rep is a little bit more pick and roll than yet. Like, yeah, oh, for sure. And that would be a, huge part of things with Atlanta. And I, I think that's kind of like a, a team that they're building too. And, you know, Trey's ability to do it's on the, the pick and roll as well. Um, but yeah, I, I just think um, if you're going off of talent and going off of like, you know, something where you're stacking all of these assets and just kind of seeing what works, Killian Hayes might be some, like, an, he might even be a steal here at number six. So I, I just, I, I'm growing more and more interested in, uh, this possible pairing with uh, Trey Young and Killian Hayes. Yeah, no, six six four, you know, point guard. It's like he's, you know, I think he's six five, man. Like I, I think he's like six five. Like he's really strong. He has about a six foot nine wing uh, wingspan. Like he's a legit. Like, yeah, so, so it's not like, it's like if you put him with Trey, it's like you're having an exceptionally small backcourt. You know, it's still yeah. still okay. And so, then you you also have like a better defender like next to Trey. Um, Killian this year was like really good at kind of like uh, at least showed a lot of promise at, at point of attack and uh, like off the ball. And he um, just seems to have the strength to come in and uh, play NBA basketball. Yeah, no, totally. I think, I think playmaking gets, gets him on the court immediately. I mean, he was getting six assists last year in France. You know, he knows. He, knows how he, he was playing in Germany. Oh, Germany? Yeah. Yeah. Bro, bro. yeah sure. He was playing for Ulm in Germany. But uh, he played in France uh, the year oh, yeah, before. Yeah, he played in the show up before. Okay. Okay, yeah. And uh, yeah, let's move on to Detroit. I have Detroit, and I haven't really heard this one mentioned as much. 
And I, I know that like, you know, Detroit, a lot of people are saying, no, you know, you should really focus on signing Christian Wood and they should like Christian Wood's per minute number is really impressive. And obviously was one of the bright spots for the Pistons last year. I'm thinking Onyeka Okongwu might be a possibility here. So I have um, Onyeka going seven to Detroit. And I, I just think that, you know, if you play Onyeka and, and Blake Griffin, you have like these two really great vertical athletes playing next to each other. Blake obviously has kind of, you know, gotten to the point where he uh, more spreads the floor. And then you just, you see like some really good production uh, possibilities for Onyeka on both ends of the floor. Um, so yeah, like, like I was saying before, really great vertical athlete just kind of explodes off the floor was, um, a great around the basket. Uh, you can see him being really good in pick and roll, uh, really good off cut. He is, I, I think somebody that's going to manage to score points and, and get production. And then, uh, defensively, he has some yeah, great influence on that end of the floor. He's got the rim protector DNA and then still just a yeah, like a lot of untapped potential that we saw. Yeah. he's not exactly like you know the biggest guy for a center and uh you just kind of wonder if that could uh come into play eventually but i I just think that he is strong enough and then um his vertical athleticism and also like just you know movement in general gives him an edge there uh where I, i think he's going to be able to play at center and that's going to be his primary position in the nba yeah, and I think I think pairing him with Blake would be would be pretty yeah. awesome. Yeah, granted that they may also move Blake Griffin as well, but I mean, I, I think I think a lot of these teams are in the lottery for a reason. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of them. Yeah, and, then, and then you know, also if you're even like looking forward, Detroit likely not turning around in one year, um, and then they have a chance to add one of the many talented guards uh, in next year's draft. Um, then. For the eighth pick, this is not a pick that I would necessarily do. And, like, I, I think there are some really good wings left on the, the But it's the Knicks. They, they go against conventional thinking. Exactly. And uh, I think that the Knicks, um, if he is available here, I have a feeling they might go with Tyrese Halliburton. Um, Tyrese Halliburton is, like, a mainstream favorite and apparently somebody that the NBA is very high on. Um I think there are some good reasons for that. He was a really good spot-up shooter his uh, two years at Iowa State. Tall for a point guard. Um, the seven-foot wingspan is a complete lie, and he's probably like 6'8 at most, 6'9, possibly. But, um, yeah, he's still... As, as six-foot point guard, he's still bringing something, you know, to the, to the table there. He does, but the biggest thing with him is there's, like, this lack of physicality that is concerning. And he like rarely ever gets to the free throw line. He finished well around the basket on so few attempts. He like, he doesn't really get there. He's not necessarily breaking you down off of the dribble. He's a really, really good passer and a good spot up shooter, but struggles to get in the paint and to break anybody down off the bounce. And then um, what was the, God, I, Wanted to do a really good tie-in there. But, um, yeah, so struggles there. And then uh, struggles as a pull-up shooter. And then uh, just defensively, he does have good instincts on that end of the floor. But, like, I think struggles at point of attack as well due to his lack of strength. Yeah, so, I think, I think um, our friend is going to be, yeah, it's, like, tough when he gets posted up by someone like the stronger. Yeah, 
So and like the Knicks, the big thing with the Knicks is they have like three point guards and none of them seem to be like their future point guard. And if you're drafting Tyrese Halliburton, the odds are that you don't see him as like this linking guy. You're kind of seeing him as a point guard. And it's just, there's no guarantee that that's him. So um, yes, he, I think he's a good linking piece. He's probably a good complimentary player and uh, definitely provides like at least some court spacing that might be good for the Knicks, but he's not going to be like your primary initiator. And, you know, you're not getting him like, you know, breaking down, making his own offense. Um, at times, like I, I found him to be very passive uh, as far as that was concerned. So yeah, I, I would be a little concerned about drafting Tyrese Halliburton here if I were the Knicks as my future point guard. However, I will say that I, I'm like, I'm thinking more and more the Knicks just package eight and 27 and move up or maybe move down and try and get their point guard there. So yeah, like I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Knicks uh, move this pick or, or do something with that. But I also wouldn't be surprised if the Knicks end up thinking that Tyrese Halliburton is a good idea and just, you know, kind of trying to roll with it and uh, hoping that they can just get the best out of him. Hey, it's, it's the Knicks. You, 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 never, you never know. Yeah. But coming up next, we got Washington Wizards. Yeah. And, uh, well, what were you saying? Ninth pick, Washington Wizards. Okay. Uh, yeah. The guy I have Washington taking with ninth pick is Isaac Okoro. Um, yes, I like. I, I know Devin Vassell has kind of been a popular one here, and uh, there may be some other possibilities. Uh, I know that uh, the rumor is that Washington apparently really wants Onyeka Kongwu to fall here, but I think Isaac Okoro would kind of be uh, an interesting one. I, I just think that you know um, they obviously. The, I think the wing is a need. Um, you have these two huge offensive forces in John Wall and Bradley Beal. I'm not writing off Isaac Okoro as an offensive player. His shooting is obviously a concern. No, that's, a big, is, that's a big flag. Yeah, but he's a great cutter and a really good passer also. And then he, um, the flashes he's shown uh, being able to dribble, the flashes he's shown as a slasher, um, his ability to finish around the rim, like just really – and then he also like he can, he seems to be able to like defend up too, so I, I think you're you're getting like a really good player out of this at the very least. And at, at the ninth pick, um, with his potential like as a wing, like I, I I'm starting to kind of favor like the Isaac Okoro over like a Devin Vassell, uh, and I. I I know I, I may be kind of like a, alone on this, or not alone, but like in the minority at the very least. But um, yeah, I, I think that there's a chance that like Isaac Okoro doesn't fall like as much as people kind of uh, tend to to believe he might due to the questions about his shooting. I also think there's like potential there too. But yeah, like the shooting's a concern. But I just think all the other factors he brings, like his on-ball defense, and then um, you know his ability as a, a passer, as possibly even like a secondary playmaker and then just like all the other things that he brings like as a, a cutter and uh and slasher like an ability to play without the ball so. yeah and i think i think those are things that they would work well with yeah like john wall bradley beal yeah someone else that can kind yeah, of and it, like a team that like i i know that some people see rudy hachimura as like their three of the future i think he's more of a four and um yeah like i i think that there's a, a good chance that uh you know, you have like the athleticism of like an Okoro and uh, 
Hachimura playing with a, a wall and a beal. Um, I guess you figured the center position out and uh, see what happens there. But yeah, I, I think it could be uh, pretty interesting. And then if Washington moves away from this pick, you know, they can just stick at the wing with a show favorite, Troy Brown. True enough. Uh, I'm going to, yeah. Wishful thinking. Much love to <laughs> Troy. Yes. Um, yeah. Troy, Troy showed some flashes last year, but yeah. So, I think he'll still. Uh, it seems like a, more of like a role complimentary piece. Yeah, role complimentary guy, and then maybe in free agency, you know, he gets a starting gig somewhere. Possibly. Um, I, at the 10th pick, have the Phoenix Suns taking Kira Lewis Jr. I think um, they, you know, as much as people have the Suns going in all these different directions, I think that uh, Kira Lewis might just be like a really interesting option for them. Um, they, they have Ricky Rubio, obviously, but you don't know how long that's going to necessarily be around. Um, Devin Booker getting like a, a ton of run at, as uh, the primary ball handler also. But I, I just think Kira's a really interesting change of pace guy um, and just, you know, has some, some speed and uh, athleticism that might be really interesting for Phoenix and, you know, ability to break down defenses, um, a, like showing some passing acumen also, shooting potential. Um, yeah, I, I think that he's a guy that will be very interesting playing next to Devin Booker. And um, I, I believe he's somebody that's moving up draft boards and uh, becoming a much, a more enticing uh, possibility. Um, just one of the fastest players end to end in this draft. Um, obviously the, the big thing with him is he went to college early, wasn't even eligible for the draft as a freshman, um, played, showed improvement this past year at Alabama, um, shown some flashes as a shooter, uh, some ability to break down, get into the paint, get to the free throw line. So yeah, I, I think that there's like some real buzz of uh, Kira Lewis Jr. being a, a possible top 10 pick. Yeah, and you got to look at like Rubio does, you know, how much does he have left in the tank? So you need, you're, you're going to need a point guard in a few years anyway to run with Devin Booker. Yeah. And the rest of the Phoenix Suns, who are not just Devin Booker. Um, you, you all, of course, have DeAndre Ayton. You have Mikael Bridges. You had Cam Johnson. Kelly Oubre is still there. What were you saying? Yeah, no, Cam, I said Cam Johnson came on as a, you know, as a shooter. Like, he's really got that skill. Yeah. Good for him. That is a thing that he does. Uh, <laughs> he, uh, yeah, that's why they drafted Cam Johnson. I know some people say, like, Aaron Neesmith's a possibility. Like, I, I just don't think they'll take, like, tons of the same player. But, yeah. Um, I, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm seeing, seeing the Kira Lewis Jr. possibility. And uh, I, I'm thinking that that may be a place where the, the Suns go. Um, moving on to the 11th pick. I know you guys are kind of surprised that he's fallen all this way and he's going to fall one pick further. Uh, but I have the San Antonio Spurs drafting Devin Vassell's college teammate, Patrick Williams. I think that Patrick Williams Jr. is, there's definite buzz of him possibly going in the, the top 10. Um, he is somebody who, who's very intriguing. Uh, I, I know some people see him maybe even being a wing. I see him more as a four, 
was a really good athlete, good weak side rim protector, um, and, you know, has some athleticism, um, even showed some ability out of the pick and roll, like in, in small flashes. Now, he, he's pretty raw and, like, you know, he doesn't do anything, like, kind of out of this world, but he's he has at least the athleticism, some acumen, some ability to play on both ends of the floor that I think San Antonio could maybe see um, some uh, inroads there to, to develop. And he's also one of the youngest college players in the draft. And I, I think he might be the youngest college player in the draft. So, yeah, he, uh, young guy, didn't necessarily get tons of experience, but showed really nice flashes. And um, even, like, has potential as a shooter, shot really well from the free throw line. Um, so, yeah, I, I think uh, his stock seems to be moving up. And um, I wouldn't be surprised if he even went higher than this. Yeah, that's yeah. It's it's been him over Vassell's kind of been the thing. Like recently, has kind of had that that swap because he just has yeah. He has a little bit more potential, you know, athletically that you kind of want to get around. I'd say so. And then uh, at twelve, I finally have Devin Vassell. Um, I could be way off here. I know that Devin Vassell is a draft winner favorite, and they people have been moving him way up the board. I'm starting to get a, a few second thoughts into just, you know, how high the, the potential is. I, I think that he is a tremendous team defender, but I, I kind of worry a bit about the body. He's a really good shooter too. So like people see. Well, but it was a pretty small sample size from three. Like he wasn't a. But no, like I think uh, doing like a, like quite a bit of work this past year at least. So yeah. yeah but, and then I, I think both of the years he shot really well from three, like. The, like the first year was kind of a small sample size. And then this year he, he was a lot better. Not to mention he became a lot better uh, off of the pull-up. Yeah, he was taking, yeah. taking, three, he was taking three and a half threes a game at 41%. Yeah. It's like pretty yeah. big. And then, but like also similar to what he did the year before on like a small sample size, right? Well, yeah, he was, yeah, he was 41 again, like 41.9. Yeah. So like, 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 you know, if you add those up, yeah. Yeah, if you but if you add you add up his college sample size, like that, that's pretty good. Overall, just just under three again, you know, is what it what it ends up to. But it, again, coming under that like athletic, explosive leaper, pretty decent wingspan, right? He's like seven footish wingspan. I think uh, about six ten. But yeah, he um, I, I the the thing with him is you wonder how much he's he's going to develop off the dribble, how much he's going to make plays for others. Um, he, uh, yeah, and like, he's another guy who like, just doesn't get to the basket a lot. And, you know, he, I, he shot pretty well from the free throw line, right? Like, do you have the numbers pulled up? Let me just pull that up on him. I just put that away. Free throw line. Yeah. He like, I mean, 70, 70, 74, just under 74%. Yeah. Not amazing. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I think, I think that, that people are, are kind of seeing this, possibility of, of him you know being like more than like uh just you know this complimentary player and everything like that and, th and that could be the case maybe I, i'm just looking too low at it you have like people making like you know possible like paul george comparisons and stuff like that i just i don't i don't see that type of athleticism i don't see that type of strength um so yeah i i'm i'm a little apprehensive on just how high to have them sell, I like. I would still think he's a top ten guy for me, but I'm not like at the 
position where I'm like thinking that he's like a top five guy and you know just that I'm not like all in on him as much as some of the other uh draft twitter people seem to be what's what's your cap on him like like starting with kind of that 10 to like the end of the lottery oh I I think he could go as high as six but yeah he, he's I I think I think this would be like the lowest position he likely goes yeah, so, so I'd say 6 to 12. But the, that's like a draft range a lot of the time. Like, there's there's a pretty wide draft range with a, a number of players. Well, then, yeah, it just depends who, who the, you know, the picking team is, is loving. True enough. And, um, yeah, I uh, – so, yeah, let's move on to New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, I have them finally taking Aaron Neesmith. Um, I know that – Aaron Neesmith is like a draft favorite uh, by the mainstream. He did not have very many games this year against great competition, but he did have, when you're talking about like the low sample size of Devin Sell, he had a huge sample size. Yeah, he shot out of this world. Yeah. 52% Um, on eight, eight attempts a game. Yeah. The thing is, how sustainable is that? Like, if, if you look at his freshman season, and, and like, this is, like, something where, like, I don't think anybody has ever done that, like, over their, like, college career, like, shot that huge of a sample size and had that kind of percentage. Um, you just kind of wonder how sustainable that is and, like, if he's really that kind of shooter. Not to mention, like, the shooting versatility. So, like, he, he was great off of movement. He was really good off the catch but his pull-up shooting is a totally different bag. And it's just not something that you see a ton of. So he's going to be like this off-ball guy. And then when you you think of like the 3 and D, like is he more of like a shooting specialist or a 3, D, a three and D guy? And I think you're leaning towards shooting specialists. You're not really sure about his defense. Uh, you're not really sure about his ability to guard the perimeter. Um, also just like playing it like – vision turnovers were kind of a oh for sure yeah like he, does, he doesn't really pass yeah, yeah like yeah. So, yeah. He's, just, he's, he's really one-dimensional yeah it's gonna be a spot yeah you wanted to be a spot shooter when you know defense comes in on zion like yeah yeah i mean well you know wherever he goes like that's going to be something that's expected of him and uh yeah like i see new orleans looking for guys that can shoot around zion williamson um it, it's, it certainly seems like this is a possibility. It certainly seems like he could go high, but I, I have a feeling like I know as much as people have loved Aaron Neesmith and uh, harped about his early season college sample, I, I think there's a chance he goes a little bit lower than people had expected and falls out of the lottery. Um, but yeah, I, I, this particularly particular lottery mock, I have him going 13 to New Orleans, um, 14. I'm going to stick with a, a pick that we made in our uh, Viseline lottery mock. I'm going to stick with Tyrese Maxey. I'm just thinking it makes sense with the Celtics. Um, I think he's a combo guard. You probably want him more off ball, if anything. But I just think there's a lot of talent there. There's the tremendous body control, the ability to finish around the basket. I know that he struggled shooting during his pro day. I still think there's potential there. But he's likely not an out-of-this-world shooter. But, yeah, he's a guy that's going to play hard on both ends of the floor um, and then has some ability to play without the ball. And then when he's on the ball, he has always been really good at limiting mistakes. He's not like this out-of-this-world 
playmaker or anything like that, but he's a, a good passer who doesn't turn the ball over a ton. Um, so yeah, I, I think uh, Tyrus Maxey might be a guy that Boston kind of uh, zones in on, possibly number fourteen. Yeah, I think he presents something like he's crafty. Yeah. Oh, for kind, sure. of, kind of his thing. It's just like a, again, consistency three point shooting, but like hopefully you know, especially Boston, a team that has a lot. I mean, hopefully that presents a good environment for him to come in and not have yeah. to be like every every night, but just hopefully you know, starting off probably off the bench, you know, just providing some spark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think that's a good possibility for him. Um, and, you know, just uh, giving a, a few extra buckets that they uh, might have been missing off of the bench. I believe the first Kentucky guy off the board. He is. Which and, seems like super well, low for Cal. Like, this is like an off year for him. Yeah, it, it was. Yeah, like, um, just, yeah. Barely, just barely creeping in the lottery. He missed out on a few top guys and then some – yeah, like, well – I, I just feel like Kentucky, like, uh, as a whole, like, there wasn't a ton of ex- expectation to have. Like, Tyrese Maxey was seen as their top NBA prospect and kind of stayed that way. Khalil Whitney was somebody that, uh, you know, had some buzz early in the year, but um, just fell off once people kind of realized what he was bringing to the table. Um, and, yeah, like, there wasn't a ton of NBA intrigue. Like, They'll probably have a few other players get drafted, Emmanuel Quickly, Nick Richards, um, maybe Ashton Hagens. But, yeah, this uh, – I think the Kentucky next year will have a, a few more guys uh, drafted early. But, um, yeah, this year it, it may, they may end up uh, not gaining the lottery at all. But I have uh, uh, Tyrus Maxey being the, the last pick in the lottery. Number 15. I have Orlando taking RJ Hampton. I think RJ Hampton is somebody who uh, has a possibility to go in the lottery. I, I even think uh, he might be somebody that Boston looks at. Um, he's another guy who I, I feel is more of like a combo than a pure one, but he um, has some like fantastic burst. He's always been really, really quick, has some ball skills has improved as a decision maker, shooting still very much a mixed bag, but has potential there also. Um, yeah, I just think they're, they're like, um, there's enough like athleticism to intrigue, uh, some possible upside with his defense, albeit he struggled on that end uh, with his free time in New Zealand. But he um, is somebody that I, I think um, is kind of gaining steam throughout the whole draft process and uh, showed some really positive flashes in the NBA. Yeah, he's one of the guys that took him up on their pro development contract. Max Stars, yes, sir. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, again, ball handling, pick and roll, but yeah, shot selection, finishing are definitely... Yeah. You know, and especially... And, and the ability to get to the basket. Like, uh, that's a big thing with him. And, and yeah, it's just, it's just, uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see, like, if he did benefit from that versus if you had gone to college... Yeah, I'm. I'm guessing he. If he comes, like I'm thinking, uh, he's still in this relative range, and I, I think for a while people had him like slipping quite a bit, and I, I just have a feeling he's like now in like the late lottery to like mid first round range. Yeah, no, I think I think that's a good. It's still a good value. Yeah. Um. At sixteen, this is not a pick that I necessarily am fully behind, but it's a pick I'm kind of uh, thinking the Blazers, uh, I'm like more and more 
thinking the Blazers might just end up doing this pick. And it's um, I take Blazers picks very, very, very personally as well. Yeah, uh, it's Villanova's Sadiq Bay, and he did have a really good sophomore year at Villanova. He shot really well. Um, even like you know showed some passing acumen. Um, he's a decent defender, albeit like not necessarily the most instinctive defender. But you know he ha he has size. He's just also like kind of a little bit of a, a throwback in the way that he gets his baskets. He's maybe like athletically more uh, kind of a four than a three. But the Blazers need help at forward, so I guess you know. I, th I think they need yeah. I think they need anyone in that three four range. It doesn't really doesn't really matter as long as you can you're not a small guard because i think they got that on lock yeah but yeah i think he's, he's also like i don't love his size as a wing um or as a four like i, I think it's fine but it's nothing like out of this world um yeah it, it wouldn't be a pick that i would be all in on but um it's something that i, I think the blazers might look at and I, I just have a feeling like this is likely his range so I have. Uh, I think, I think like, he's gonna. You know, he'll start his career as like an energy guy, off the off the bench. So I think. Well, you certainly hope. You know, like the shooting is the the big thing with him. Like where, it's uh, he shot so damn well that it's like completely unsustainable at the NBA. But if he proves like, I, I think that's been a huge issue with like some of the Blazers forwards in general is the inconsistency with shooting. Um, that was even an interest or. Uh, something that was an issue with uh, Al Farouk Aminu and Maurice Harkless. Um, yeah, a little less of one with Carmelo, and then you have, like, Trevor Ariza. But, yeah, like, um, I, I just have a feeling that the Blazers are likely going to look for, you know, a wing that could come in and um, play, like, a bit off of the catch and then make, like, a few, you know, like, tertiary plays uh, every now and then. Uh, next to Damon CJ, who I likely see playing together for at least another year. Um, so yeah, that's uh, where I have Sadiq going. And then 17th pick, Minnesota has this pick here. Minnesota, Minnesota again, they're back. Yeah. And I um, think that they might take a flyer here on Alexei Pokashevsky. Well, he's had a lot of different ranges in the draft as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, he's kind of creeping in the first round, but that, that varies too. Yeah, I think that he's a, like I I would be very surprised if he fell out of the first round. I just think there's too much there. Um seven footer. Long. Young. Well. The youngest player in the draft. Yeah. Um moves really, really well. Yes, he hasn't played at a very high level. But he just shows so many things where you're like, you could see a lottery possibility here. Oh yes, yeah, the big guy with the guard with the guard skill set. You know, like that's yeah, guard skill set. Like that's such a like the defensive instincts. Like the he's like a stocks master. He gets steals for a seven footer. He gets blocks for a seven footer. He's a good passer in transition. He can put the ball on the floor. Um, his shooting hasn't necessarily like looked amazing but when you watch him shoot sometimes you're just like wow like the potential there to shoot off of movement and to be a really tough person to defend the body is a concern yeah that's what i was gonna say i was like the room is key absolute concern he is 
likely going to take a while to contribute at the NBA level. But I think he could be somebody that people really sleep on um, or go a little too high. Who knows? But yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, th- I think he's, he's well worth a flyer here. And I have a feeling like if Minnesota doesn't take him, um, one, I feel like he might go even higher than we have him here. But I think uh, Dallas certainly seems like a possibility. Like yeah, a, Dallas, lot of, a lot of teams want like they'd be like, interested in like obviously they're you know known for their scouting in Europe, and uh, yeah, I, I think elect, like that may be his basement is Dallas. Okay, but you put that guy on, a, on the court with Porzingis, and that's like two yeah. monstrous human beings that can handle the ball, and like yeah, and not to mention. This guy, uh, Luka Doncic, who can he's not, he's not have that. Yeah. No, I think, yeah, I think for him, it's just like, yeah, adding that physicality is going to be tough. Like, you know, just getting that, that size that yeah. he can grind in the NBA. Because again, it's great that you're a big guy with guard skill, but you're still going to have to eventually kind of guard some people like in the post. Yeah. And be able to like kind of, kind of take that, that beating. Because eventually you're just going to have to match up. Like that's great that you're six ten and guard, but eventually you, you're gonna have to guard someone like who's like a three or four. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, I, I think you know, obviously the fours are kind of moving down, and that may benefit him. But yeah, like you know, it, it, some of the tougher fours in the NBA could eat him alive. Yeah, like that's we don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's why there's a lot of those. Like you put him like Anthony Davis like on. Oh yeah, like come no, on. it's just like that's not even a context. You know, defend defense. This is obviously something where they're they're thinking long term. Oh, for sure, a hundred percent. As much as Minnesota, you know, kind of wants to keep Carl Anthony Towns around and uh, show him that they're kind of turning everything around. Um, yeah, I, I think that uh, this is uh, worth a gamble. Oh, for sure. At this at this point of the draft, and is he one of the? Is he going to come over immediately, or is he going to? I I think there's a good chance that he does. This kind of. I, I at least yeah like I haven't heard anything about him uh, wanting to stay in Europe for like a prolonged period, um, where we'll probably have a player later who um, that might apply to. But uh, let's move on to uh, Dallas, the next pick at eighteen, and I have them taking Desmond Bain out of Texas Christian University. He is the first senior drafted, and he um, is maybe the best shooter in the draft. He just, the number of ways that he could do it, um, very consistent. He also like, yes, he has size and he doesn't have amazing size, but he, um, he's about six foot four, um, but he has like a, you know, like uh, chalk wingspan, um, but he's so strong. He has an ability to uh, shoot threes off of both, uh, the bounce and on the catch. Um, so versatility as a shooter, shoots off movement really well. Really good passer too. So like, you know, you maybe like at his high end, get like him as like a secondary playmaker also. Um, so yeah, I, I just think very enticing as a, a player next to uh, like a Luka Doncic. I know that um, the popular mock spot for him also has been to uh, Brooklyn um to, is like maybe a replacement for joe harris but um yeah i i feel i have a feeling he's like is in this kind of mid first range at this point 
and uh, could go possibly even higher. Like he's uh, kind of uh, become a, a draft darling. And I, I think uh, the tape kind of uh, speaks to that as well. Moving on, we're actually talking, you talked Brooklyn earlier. Brooklyn is picking 19th. Steve Nash coming in, coaching. He's got like D'Antoni as like an assistant. So I'm yeah. guessing it's going to be that very similar style of play to in which Steve Nash played it. And then you actually have, you know, Kyrie and Kevin Durant coming coming in this, this year to actually play together, hopefully. Yeah, I think that'll be a really cool style. And I like, I have a feeling if – those two guys are healthy. Like this is going to be a team that is really competing uh, in the Eastern Conference. I have them taking Cole Anthony. Um, I know there are like some other needs and like uh, possibilities here. Uh, you do have Kyrie Irving, obviously. Um, you have like a Spencer Dinwiddie who plays on the ball as well. Um, but Spencer D- Dinwiddie is soon to be a free agent. I think Cole Anthony's shooting here and then like ability to kind of come in and uh, be like that immediate scorer off of the bench. Like I, aggressive, aggressive scoring ability. I think that's absolutely like, yeah, he, he, he's renowned for his pull-up game. Um, his finishing at North Carolina was pretty atrocious. He uh, left a lot of uh, concerns after starting off the year as a, uh, possibly seen as like you know like a top five oh yeah he's I, I had him number one yeah like a, uh, like a year ago he was definitely a different tremendous talent like his eybl and everything there like and then uh his play in like the high school all-star circuit um you you saw tons of talent there and then um his two-foot leaving ability is still it, it's quite good but yeah, his ability uh, to leap from a standstill and uh, finish around the rim definitely in question. And I think uh, team, team play as well because you look at if you look at him in North Carolina too, it's like four assists a game, three and a half turn, turnovers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's he's not somebody that you're going to hand the ball to and uh, expect him to run your team. So yeah, um, which is yeah, which is why he's at this point of the of the draft now versus yeah. where, you know he was projected earlier. Yeah, so he, he's somebody that you kind of want being uh, maybe next to like a, a larger initiator. Um, and I think Brooklyn may have that in like a Spencer Dinwiddie or Karis LeVert at times. And even like uh, you could see him playing next to Kyrie Irving. Um, you certainly like – he Cole showed some solid defensive instincts. Um, but he uh, – yeah, th- there are certainly concerns there. And his range is – definitely very wide um but i i just really believe in his shooting i really believe in his pull-up game and uh yeah i, I believe in him as a scorer um so yeah, yeah like I, I think if you fell like this could be a, a real steal yeah i think the open offense is going to be going to be like very much playing to his skill set yeah 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 like him kind of playing without without a clog lane that yeah. he certainly did have at north carolina um so yeah i, I could see this being a real spot for him um, at 19 in Brooklyn. Uh, 20, I have the Miami Heat taking Tyrell Terry. Um, like, is and his name's been coming up board, like coming up the board. Yeah, recently he's he's on he's like someone who's on the run. And then you, you have you basically you have like the offense running through um, Jimmy and Bam Adebayo, um, uh, and obviously you're you're getting more people um 
Yeah, the thing with Tyrell Terry is that he he got stronger. Uh, people talked about him growing since Stanford. I like he's still tiny. He's still so tiny. Um, and then he's he's not like somebody that's necessarily like running your team. Like you don't necessarily trust him as a ball handler. He's a good passer, not like an incredible passer. But the thing that he really did bring to the table was um, like he has some uh, craft as like a finisher. But he's the big thing is his shooting, and he was a really really good shooter. Um, and I, I think that's something where you know he could bring in. Um, some offense and ability to stretch the floor and play next to like the big initiator. So that that's why I think Miami might have some interest in him. You're right. He is like, there is certainly a chance that he's moving up draft boards, but I'm still a little bit skeptical. People, um, people were, were like, were kind of like, it was a little shocking that he stayed in the draft. Cause I think a lot of people thought he was going to go back to Sanford. No, I think, I think uh, for the most part, it, it was kind of a, uh, believe that Tyrell Terry was uh, leaning towards uh, entering the draft. Because he's a little small. Well, I mean, especially since uh, he um, w- was likely like given a first round promise as well. So yeah, I, I, I don't, I, I think there's a really good chance that he still gets taken in the first round. Um, and yeah, then when you're just like coming in, like, yeah, he, he weighs like a buck 70 even yeah. in. He, uh, yeah, he's not necessarily like the quickest guy, the most explosive guy. He has like a small standing reach too, um, pretty much like, you know, like a plus one wingspan. Um, so yeah, not like the physical tools are, leave a lot to be desired, but there are some things to really like about his game. And like the shooting was obviously like really, really good as a freshman. Yeah, I think assuming there is a G League, like he's someone that you could see like getting like, playing down there for a minute and then just like tearing it up and then getting called back up to my to Miami yeah certainly seems like a possibility and then uh not to mention like uh, another guy that like you know maybe you you like at the end of his rookie contract when Miami is I think in 2021 looking to add somebody big is uh, a free agent so yeah they'll, they'll need some of those uh, contracts yeah. on rookie contracts and um yeah We'll, we'll see what happens there. Um, but yeah, at 21, I have Philadelphia. This may be a little high for him, but I have Philadelphia just going with a shooter. And like, you know, they just hired Daryl Morey. He's apparently making $10 million a year to be the president of basketball operations for the Philadelphia 76ers. Philly is in, is in desperate need of shooting. They need somebody to stretch the floor. Um, you're wondering if they're going to break up Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. That may be down the line. I think they're still going to see how it works. Is there any ability to trade um, uh, uh, like Al Horford or um, Tobias Harris? That's a that's a, t- that's a t- looking t- like no. Yeah, I wouldn't like, think so. On that contract for Horford, it's like uh... for both of them. Yeah, I, I just think you know they overpaid and then gave him long-term deals. And then Jimmy's so, doing thing in Miami. He's happy now. Yeah, yeah. Or Jimmy. Jimmy's. Uh, no- yeah, and then like you know, it was a thing where they couldn't afford Jimmy. No, of course. Um, yeah, like I, I think they should have maybe tried a little harder. Who knows? Yeah. But um, yeah, like I still think I, 
see, I don't want to write off Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid since I think they're two such unique talents and that anybody you trade them for is likely going to like, oh, yeah, I, like I don't, I don't think it necessarily makes them a better team. I'll, I'll be straight up. I know, like, I know that obviously like Embiid playing next to Horford sucks. Tobias Harris playing the three sucks. It's not great for their team either. And like, you could see trade, like I've heard the, you know, trading one of them for like Bradley Beal or like a, a shooter. I get it. And like, you know, it, it would be interesting. And you certainly want shooters around either MB or Simmons. Yeah. Um, like that Al Horford and Tobias Harris, I don't think are, but um, yeah. So I, let's just start off with baby steps. And then let's take a risk on somebody who might really be a good shooting prospect in Isaiah Joe. And that's who I have Philadelphia taking at 21. He is somebody that can shoot off of movement, can shoot off of the catch, has really deep range, still has strength concerns. But the one thing, and he didn't shoot particularly like a high percentage this year, but you really buy his shooting. He shot a high uh, mark at the free throw line. The difficulty of his shots are like legit. And then you just see him like taking the small role and being like the shooting specialist who also has like some solid defensive instincts. And like that, that's just something where you could really see him excelling here. And um, he just seems like somebody who Daryl Morey might be like quite interested in. Um, maybe not this high, but I, I think there's a possibility. Like, you know, I, I, I'm willing to throw it out because um, they could really just be looking for like that specialist um, with Isaiah Joe's size and then believing that Isaiah Joe builds the physicality to be like a, a solid rotation wing in the NBA. Oh, I think that, that fits what Philly's looking for. But yeah, it's, the million dollar question is, yeah, do they break up that, that Simmons and Embiid like – yeah. Um, do, do you have a million dollars for me? <laughs> I don't, but if I did, <laughs> I would say I would keep Joel, but. Because, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'll have a million dollar answer, if you, you know, to that million dollar question. It just, uh, you got to show me the money, baby. I'm going um, but, um, yeah, we'll see what happens there. Uh, but I think they're going to roll with it and, and just see how it goes. And, uh, you know, I, I, didn't love that they fired Brett Brown, um, but, you know, you could kind of see it coming, and then we'll see if Doc Rivers can do anything with that team um, the way that it's built right now. Well, made the obviously, the biggest thing is they're going to add some shooting. Like, that's 100%, I feel, something that they're going to look at it, uh, with this draft pick. Well, he helps make the Clippers, you know, pre- you know, a presentable team, so maybe he can kind of, you know, keep Philadelphia. Could the players help with that also? He did have a good, good part of that, you know, getting Chris Paul definitely. definitely uh, yeah, getting Kawhi Leonard and Paul George didn't hurt either, you know. Certainly. It didn't help him either because like, they kind of helped uh, get, him, get him fired as well. So uh, Yeah, I think he, uh, he may have helped himself there too. Um, at 22, I see this guy more as a center. But they may be losing a center, so it's, it's a possibility there, too. I know that um, you're just wondering what's going to happen with the power forward situation. You have Paul Millsap off the books. Uh, he may not resign there. Um, Jeremy Grant may not resign there. You are going to have to show him some money. Um, you wonder if they're, what the market's like for Mason Plumley. So I see them maybe taking a big. And then a guy who 
has certainly seen uh, like uh, or there have been rumors of him going higher than this. I have uh, them taking Jalen Smith from Maryland. He um, is somebody that certainly uh, has shooting potential, um, showed like some nice athleticism as well. I just feel like, you know, there's kind of like a, a lack of speed there um, and also like a, a lack of bulk that um, make it a little scary proposition for him to be your center. And yeah, like just you, you wonder if he's going to be great at guarding fours and um, doing the job there. If like playing next to like a Nikola Jokic, you wonder if that's de defensively viable. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like this could be like a, a range for him. And if he doesn't go a little bit higher, um, but yeah, I, I have Denver taking Jalen Smith. Yeah, I think, like take long, long shot blocking. And again, yeah, they're losing all those front court guys. And like, hopefully, ideally, Jokic is in good shape and healthy. And you don't really need another center, you know, like for, for the most part. And then worst case. Well, you always need another center. No, you always need another center, but like not to play that many, you know, a, a ton of, of minutes. And then worst case scenario for Denver, Bull Bull. Bull Bull. Yeah. This is yeah you can back up Bull. I think Bull could play into their plans. You, you don't know, but um, yeah, he certainly showed some intriguing things uh, in his non-rookie tenure. Um, <laughs> where he plays in the playoffs too. Like, how does that make any sense? Yeah, right? it's, like, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a rookie remix. He gets, you know, he gets one more chance to kind of. Like, <laughs> it's like a baseball rookie. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah so uh, I have the Utah Jazz at 23. The last time that we did a mock draft, I drafted Grant Riller. Utah fans thought I was a dick and uh, yelled at me and uh, hurt my feelings. But <laughs> uh, I, uh, yeah, Utah, Utah fans wanted big. And um, I, I have a feeling they could absolutely be correct. Um, they sold uh, a 40 year old, just purchased Utah. And, um, you know, I, I think he'll listen to the fans. And, and he's, a, he's a true fan. So he was um, the guy from Qualtrics. I like, I, I watched an interview with him like years ago, <laughs> but he says, yeah, he had the Jersey sponsor and you know, like, yeah, he's like, he's, he's, he's into Utah. You know, he's hopefully going to be a good positive person for that funnel community of good old Salt Lake City. Well, I came into uh, Utah and uh, you know, I really liked uh, getting uh, out of Utah. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I, uh, I, uh, Utah, beautiful state. But um, yeah, Precious Achua at 23 of the Jazz. Um, he's a guy that I see more as like a 4-5. I know some people see him as like a 3-4, but relentless athlete, relentless. That's a, the big thing. He did his best work this year. It, so he was nominated for the Julius Irving Award, which made no sense to me because he wasn't a small forward and did all his best work as a center. Well, uh, he's kind of a tweener. Yeah, he is. He is. But um, the other thing is he, like, kind of thinks he's a small forward. But he also, like, shows flashes of, like, ball skills. And, like, he's not a good passer, but, you know, he and, like, a great decision maker. But he shows ability to move his feet, like, a lot of bounce at his size and, like, legitimate size for, like, a 4-5, I feel. Um, so, yeah, I, like, I, I think there's a chance that he uh, gets minutes there. 
And um, yeah, he's another guy who I, I, some people have him going as high as the lottery. Oh, super volatile, super volatile range. I know you've never been on him as a lottery guy, but yeah, it's like in the yeah. in the aggregate mock, it's like he's usually like in that like 13, 14. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people are higher on pressures yeah. than I personally am. But um, yeah, I, I, I like I, I could see it. Like I could see it, him proving me wrong. Um, and certainly like he's super athletic. That's one thing I'll, I'll, I'll give to him. He plays really hard. He is a little older for class. That's one thing that's for sure. Um, and I, I just, I'm not completely sure about like his basketball IQ. Um, so yeah, that, those have been my concerns with him, but, um, I know other people think that he, um, may be like the kind of like center of the future. So like they, they don't even see him as a tweener. Um, if you see him as a three, four, like, I don't really get it, but yeah. <laughs> I just don't think he has it's all the that cheating aren't there. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's I, I know that the big thing is Raphael Barlow, friend of the program, um, runs NBA draft junkies, talks about him working out with Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf, who is one of the great shooters of our time. Um, I'm just not, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I'm buying him turning Precious into a shooter, but if he does, then um, yeah, I could be way wrong on this. Um, but yeah, so moving on to 24, we got the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, and I have Milwaukee taking um, Malachi Flynn. And Malachi Flynn's another guy with a pretty wide draft range, but um, the analytics and draft Twitter people very high on Malachi Flynn. Oh, just probably yeah, plus minus win shares last year. Like those are yeah, like, yeah, the box, yeah, like, box minus, yeah, for sure. And then also was just like a really good defender and tremendous out of the pick and roll. Like he was one of the top pick and roll playmakers in college basketball, where they run a lot in the NBA pick and roll. And so Malachi, Malachi Flynn's a guy that you can see coming in and doing that. Um, another guy who's who's not very big. Um, so you, you wonder if he has the same defensive um, ability in the NBA and d- doesn't have some issues with that. Uh, but I, I think he's somebody that um, you kind of believe in as a shooter and just believe in his basketball acumen. And not to mention that he'll be alongside a super jumbo initiator in Giannis Antetokounmpo. And um, yeah, that might be just like, a great thing for the Milwaukee Bucks um, who are looking for, you know, a, a little more firepower off their bench. Um, so yeah, it's Eric Bledsoe seems to be possibly on the trading block also. Uh, but yeah, like Malachi Flynn is a, a small guard who you, who plays bigger than his size and could be somebody that excels next to like a Giannis Antetokounmpo and the, uh, the like Chris Middleton and who the Bucks really have um, as their core. Then he was doing all right, yeah. And he was doing you know well for himself in the Pac-12, and then yeah, like that transfer to San Diego State. He just had a great, he had a great year. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah, it, uh, I, I was just reading like Kevin Pelton talking about it, and like he was saying that he, while he looked good at Washington State, like he didn't really see him as an NBA prospect until this year when he got like the heavy doses of pick and roll and was just you know picking teams apart. Yeah, and, uh, really excelling in that. Um, and then, you know, also shooting really, really well. Um, now, this is a guy who, it's, 
it's straight up this year. It's hard to believe the athleticism testing. It's um, just kind of inconsistently run. Um, you're not really sure what to believe. But the one thing you do believe is that this guy has crazy bounce, and that's Tyler Bay at 25 to Oklahoma City. I've always thought this kind of seems like a, a possible match here. Uh, you know, the Andre Robertson thing, uh, the seeing scouts at his games, like, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I have Oklahoma City taking Tyler Bay. And Tyler Bay is, it's... Um, He's a jumper. <laughs> Yeah, the, the big thing with him is, as I, I was saying before, like it, it's about standing reach it, when you're talking about these vertical numbers. And the fact that Tyler Bay's standing reach was like eight, nine and a half leads me, means I, I'm more likely to believe, because I, I think that's probably his actual standing reach. And I, I, I'm more likely to believe his numbers, which were very impressive. So. 37 inch no step vert, 43 and a half inch uh, max vert. And I believe both of them. Like, you know, so yeah, like he's a really crazy athlete. Um, now, just in terms of him as a basketball player, there's still some things to kind of work on. He, he wasn't a very high volume shooter, um, kind of like, you know, gets his offense through uh, these kind of different variances and not necessarily like a ton in the, the half court, but yeah, a good transition player. Um, somebody that you can see rebounding and playing well beyond his size has a seven foot one wingspan. Um, and just being like that, the ability to play that small ball for give some defensive versatility where I think there's a chance that he guards wing players also um, freak athleticism and also like, you know, some real playing acumen and like, he didn't do a ton of shooting off of movement, but he looked good shooting off of movement and um, certainly seemed more willing to do so this year. So yeah, he's another guy who I, I think could spend some time in G League, um, work on refining a few things in his yeah, game. Refine the edges, but athletically, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's very, very high level athlete and uh, helps him play well beyond his size. And I think, um, he doesn't go in the first round. He uh, likely will be like one of the first few picks in the second round. But yeah, if there's a guy whose athleticism testing seems legit and like legitimately helped him, it's, it's Tyler Bay. Um, 26, the Boston Celtics. Will they keep all of their picks? That's the big question. They have a lot. They have a ton. Yeah, they always uh, have a ton. Three first round picks. I'm not sure they keep them all. But let's assume that they possibly may. Um, I think they may take another wing. And I have them taking Josh Green at 26. Josh Green is somebody who initially looked like a possible lottery pick. There are a few con very legitimate concerns with Josh Green. He really, really struggled finishing around the basket, which is just weird for somebody as athletic as him. He just seems to struggle using his offhand and just finishing in general and gathering. Um, but there are the things you really like about Josh Green, doesn't need the ball, really good passer, crazy like in terms of lateral ability. And um, like, so not only does he have like explosive leaping ability that can help him in transition, but he is really, really good as an on-ball defender, um, strong, 
And then uh, all the character things with him seem to be very positive as well. Um, and like the, the two years at the Hoop Summit, like the guy was just like one of the most consistent guys there, showed strength. And when he runs in a straight line, like hot damn, not to mention that he can move side to side too. So yeah, like some high level athleticism there. And um, yeah, I, I, I know that some people have Josh Green moving down quite a bit and obviously we have him um, at 26 as yeah, opposed to where we initially were thinking he would be like in uh, the mid first round. But um, yeah, I, I still think that Josh Green is a likely first round pick. And um, I, I still like bias shooting. Like I, I'm not incredibly high on it and don't think he's like a knockdown shooting specialist, but I, I think he's at least, you know, shown some ability as a, a spot up shooter. And um, like, yeah, I, I don't think three uh, and D is out of the question. With yeah, he's, got, he's got the D part. He just needs to work on that. Yeah. I mean, even, like, yeah, he like wasn't afraid to take. Yeah. Uh, no, no, totally. He just didn't, and, and didn't shoot him. Yeah. So yeah, um, twenty-seven, New York Knicks again. I know this guy is. He has a very, you know, wide range of picks as well. And I'm sure the Knicks fans will remind me I'm taking another point guard. I don't know if New York's keeping this pick. Uh, I'm thinking New York might either trade down or trade out. Who knows? Um, I think uh, there's certainly a chance they they'll try and get draft capital for next year's draft. Um, but yeah, uh, at 27, I have them taking Theo Maladon. Um, he played in France the past couple of years uh, in the uh, Pro A or Pro A. And he, uh, um, hey, please, yeah. for our French fans. Yeah, I, I just, I, I think there are some questions about him being like your, you know, your primary ball handler, but there's a lot of shooting potential there. And um, he's, a crafty finisher. Um, yeah, I, I just think uh, people are, are kind of wary about just, you know, how much burst he has, um, his strength, um, things along those lines. So I think those are the possibilities of, of him sl- slipping. He's just, he's not tremendous in everything. And I think it's a lot more potential than it is uh, necessarily um, something that is likely to um happened right away uh so yeah that, that's where i could see him slipping but i i think the knicks are looking for guards and for guard help and for guys who stretch the floor and uh that could be theo maladon at number 27 so yeah that's uh why i have him going to the knicks along with uh tyrese halberd hey why not let's put some competition out there see who see who wants to be that point guard for the knicks and at 28, the Los Angeles, your champion, world champion, or NBA champion. I know they always call it world champion, but NBA champion, Los Angeles Lakers. I have them taking Grant Riller. Now, people have talked about the Lakers getting a shooter. They've been talking about the Lakers getting a playmaker or a point guard. I think Riller has potential in both areas. He did measure a little smaller than I thought he would be from the combine measurements I've seen. I, that's a little concerning to me. But he's very explosive. And the, the big thing with him is that finishing ability, 
the ability to create for himself. Like, I, I think he's a guy that, you know, you could see coming off the bench and getting you some buckets and giving you a little bit of that boost. Um, and defensively, some concerns. Like, you know, he didn't necessarily kill it on that end of the floor. And, uh, you, you know, he, he wasn't playing at the highest level of competition. So that was a little bit concerning. But I, I think there, there's certainly, like, you know, a lateral ability there. And I, I think that uh, the, I'm guessing the workload that he had um, may have attributed to that as well. Um, so, yeah, I think that uh, Grant Riller at 28 could be somebody that uh, L.A. looks at and, um, you know, just kind of believes in as a shooter, as somebody that could maybe come in. Because you're, you're figuring LeBron James, as much as he defies father time, it's, it's bound to come. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, their championship window could be like the next couple of years. Um, and, you know, they're obviously hoping to add at least one more. Um, but, yeah, let's, uh, I, I think Grant Riller could be a real possibility here. And I'll be a Caruso. It can't be Caruso's team. Yeah. But he can't do it himself. Yeah. True enough. So Caruso coming abroad. We got the longest running NBA champion single season team of all time, the Toronto Raptors, because they got to be champions for like a year and a half. And that's great. Which is awesome. And, uh, <laughs> pick, it, pick it at number 29. Yeah. Number 29. I know a lot of people are thinking Toronto will take some – prospect with a lot of issues and turn them around and their development is a cure-all for everyone. I have them taking a guy who's just been really a really good college basketball player the last few years, has some supreme basketball acumen, some concerns about him, his size, his athleticism at the next level, but um, I have them taking Xavier Tillman. Uh, Toronto is has three centers that are all free agents. Uh, Xavier Tillman is somebody who is, you're figuring likely exclusive playing, exclusively playing center at the NBA level, but he's also strong as an ox, has these, as we see, like massive, massive hands. He, um, his hand width is 11 inches. Not bad. And his hand length is 10 and a quarter inches. So massive hands. Tremendous passer. Was a really, really smart defender and good rim protector. Has a seven foot two wingspan. Um, he's six, seven and a half without shoes. So not huge. Um, like not tall, but he, he's so strong. I think and tough, yeah, tough as well. Immovable. And then w when you're talking about like, he was one of the, best uh like analytically one of the best players in the ncaa the last two years um and was a huge reason that michigan state was constantly winning basketball games um so yeah like there are just a few things that he does where you know he doesn't necessarily need the ball but makes good decisions when he does have the ball great passer off the short roll great passer from the you know high and low post and then um he uh you know the shooting potential like that that's you're not sure if that's there necessarily, but there's just so much to like about his game. And then he's a tremendous screener too. Um, so yeah, there are lots of things that Xavier Tillman does that you're just really happy with. And it just seems like 
he is somebody that you're not necessarily like thinking is going to be your like starting center along the lines, but could be like a really valuable like third big or like first big off the bench and uh, give you some really good minutes at center. So yeah, I, I think Xavier, there's a really good chance Xavier Tillman goes in the first round. And uh, I could see Toronto being a, a good destination for him. Yeah, and they don't, I think, yeah, I think they need, they need a center. <laughs> it's yeah. gonna be pretty, pretty. Yeah, that's, uh, that's what it's looking like. Cause yeah, no guarantees they sign any of the centers who yeah. have in free agency. Um, and final, final pick. Final pick, Boston picking for the, seems like 50th time, but it's only the fourth. Yeah. Final pick, close enough to the first round. A third. Third. I thought yeah. they 14, 26, 30. No. Uh, you were correct. So, that was a test. I have Boston. I was on it. I have Boston taking the draft and stash guy here. So this is a guy who I think is legitimately a draft and stash guy, but somebody with a lot of potential – and um, somebody that I feel could be like, you know, if you're willing to wait, he could be a, a valuable rotation piece. And that's Leandro Balmoro. Um, he's from Argentina. He plays for FC Barcelona in Spain. Um, he did get some EuroLeague minutes. He is a great, like he's somebody who's basically like a six foot six, like initiator, um, really good playing on the ball and a great passer makes like these tremendous like transition passes. And uh, then the other thing is he's like works really hard as a defender too. He, I think is like maybe like six foot six with like a six, eight wingspan, but he like gets right in there. Um, he's not necessarily like the most physically impressive guy, but yeah, you can see the basketball instincts and then you can see the energy and um tenacity um his shooting is a huge question mark and you're, you're really not sure what he provides offensively but the one thing that you are have some confidence in is his ability to stay on the court as a defender and then um him being like the ball handler and passer that he is and ability to possibly break down defenses um so yeah he uh he's somebody that i i know uh, has moved up draft boards and he has a really wide range uh, in the draft as well. But um, is a guy that I, I still think there's a possibility he ends up uh, being a first round pick. No, totally. I think it's, yeah, especially for a team like Boston that has that luxury of like, you can put him away for a few years, then bring him over. Add that, add that for you. Cause yeah, eventually Boston's going to lose like Jalen Brown or, or, you know, they're, they're going to have something. So it'll be good you know, to keep, keep their energy level up so they never really miss a, miss a step. So I think he's got that, like, potential. Yeah. And then so, yeah, and then if, you know, if Boston does indeed, like, keep these picks, which I, I think there's a good possibility to trade for. Danny just over. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, if they, if they keep these picks, then uh, you, you could see, certainly see one, at least one being a draft and stash guy. Um, or somebody that they, they feel could come over a little bit later. Yeah, because it's hard to have all those guaranteed, yeah, like all those guaranteed contracts on here. I'm so, gonna spread it up. That was our one through thirty. Um, we're going to do one more before the draft, and I'm sure there will be changes. But um, yeah, th that's just kind of based off of giving you an idea of some of the rumors and some of the possible draft ranges for these players. 
Um, there were a few players that I left out of the first round that I am, I think certainly have a chance of slipping in there. Jaden McDaniels was somebody that came to mind. I know uh, Robert Woodard is somebody that people are talking about possibly being in the first round. Trey Jones, who um, had like great combine numbers from P3 and not necessarily the biggest guy, but somebody that I know uh, some NBA people are, are quite high on. Point guard. Yeah, and that, you know, yeah, was a, a good um, point of attack defender and uh, decision maker and certainly has like some great balance. Um, there was a rumor from Jonathan Wasserman that uh, Peyton Pritchard has a first round promise. I can't and figure out where. We hope, we hope that to be true. Because I, I hope, yeah, come well, on. I don't hope that. To be, I hope he goes to a place that appreciates him. Well, that, that too, but Perfect it, I hope he goes there with a guaranteed contract from the first round. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Well, you're, you're just looking at the money and, you know. That's what I'm about. Not going to lie. I'm Jason Weisenberg. You have your right to do so. And I think that would be really good for Peyton Pritchard also. Um, <laughs> when you're talking about it in those terms. Uh, and then um, I know Jemias Ramsey is somebody that gets talked about as a possible first round pick. Still not sure. Um, don't really know what to think. Uh, I know he shot really, really well and often this year, but then wasn't a great free throw shooter. And then you kind of worry about some of the um, like instinct things on both ends of the floor. Um, and then one guy I, I wanted to, you know, just kind of focus on a little bit and uh, who I, I, I think I alluded to earlier in the show, Yudoka Azubuke. And this is a guy like who, it, it's kind of like blowing my mind how much I, I'm thinking about him as a prospect. Um, it, the big thing with him is, you know, if this were uh, 10 years ago, he goes like in the lottery. And that very well maybe. And he was a really good college basketball player this past year, was a good defender in college basketball, was the best finisher in college basketball, like just really hard to stop around the basket because he is enormous. Um, I very much worry about him defending in space. And then I'm wondering like, you know, if he's going to be that same level of finisher, if that's kind of what you, you like just want. And like, you know, is that necessarily giving you a, a huge advantage considering what he may be giving up on the other side of the floor? It was reported that Yudoka Azubuke had a 37-inch vertical leap, no step. It was reported that Yudoka Azubuke had a 41-inch vertical leap uh, on his max vert. I got a little bit of information there. And luckily, and I, first off, I, I know from, from Hoop Summit, his standing reach is in like the 9495 range. He measured at the uh, 2018 NBA draft combine with a nine foot four and a half standing reach. His standing reach this time around was nine foot one. That's a difference, folks. And when what people do when they're measuring your vertical leap is they go at that maximum vertical number. And they um, basically, they get the vertical by subtracting that maximum vertical number 
from your um, standing reach. And if you botch your standing reach, then it looks like your vertical is higher. <laughs> so I think that you shaved three and a half inches off of Yudoka Azubuke's vertical. Still very impressive. 33.5 inches. I think his um, no-step vert in 2018 was 31. So improved two and a half there. Improved six inches on his max vert, so 37.5. Um, and so, yeah, I think he like barely had a difference from his uh, no-step to max vert. That he's always been able to finish around the basket. I'm just kind of wondering. But I, I think there's it, – it's looking more and more like there's a chance that he gets drafted like pretty high in the second round and maybe even makes it to the first round. Um, I'm, again, I've never been a big believer in his age, but I, I just wanted to talk about him because he, not only that, but like, as I mentioned, I used to do a Jason Maxiel award, which I guess could turn into a Mohammed Bamba award, where it was um, the uh, length of your um, wingspan to your height. And his wingspan height differential seems to be 9.25 inches, uh, which is insane. And so obviously crazy body. He measured it at like 260 also. So he, he was quite a bit down um, weight wise. Uh, and yeah, like crazy finishing numbers. He's going to be an interesting case. Yeah. And we still got some time between now and the draft. So hopefully more buzz, more rumors, but we will present yeah. another mock draft before we actually head in to the draft November 18th. Yeah. Yeah, and Cassius Stanley, obviously, like, crazy vertical numbers as well, just not, like, the highest standing reach. So clearing the vertex um, happens when you hit 12 feet. And Cassius, even with his really impressive vertical numbers and, like, this is really good for his position, but he didn't clear the Vertec, whereas guys like Yudoka and uh, um, Tyler Bay both did. Um, and then, yeah, just kind of looking here if I have any other ones that are too crazy. And uh, no, I, I think uh, we'll save them for later. But yeah, just uh, gave a, a little bit of information there on uh, – a few prospects and the measurements that we've heard so far. And um, yeah, just giving you a, kind of an idea of uh, draft scenarios and um, what could be yeah, player ranges, what could happen, who's looking to trade, what, yeah, just a, a, a few guys that uh, you'll definitely hear about um, between now and draft day. And then of course on draft day, November 18th, we're crossing our fingers. <laughs> End this. <laughs> let's do it let's finally do this draft and then we can focus on 2021 officially but thank you guys so much as always for checking out tuning in catch us on wednesdays if you want to follow me on twitter i'm at jay weisenberg if you want to follow him on twitter he's at nba draft mikey v if you want to follow both of us at the same time see a lot of the same things we're at viseland you can also email us viselandpod at gmail.com Questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, opinions. Lay, lay them on us. We love to hear from you guys. Leave comments. Leave reviews. Subscribe. Subscribe. Yes. We appreciate everybody who has so far. Um, just wanted to thank everybody for coming by and checking this out. And, uh, yeah, we will see you next week.
you next Wednesday. Have a good week, everyone.